0: is pretty strong. Well, that's what happened the people around when he was uh, answering with the truth that Jesus spoke. The Sadducees were put in their place. People were astonished. So now the Pharisees, come on, this is my, I'm speculating a little bit, but I mean, this is just how I see things. They're saying, well, the Sadducees, you know, he took them down, but, but we're the Pharisees. We're going to come up with something now. We're going to still try to, to, to to do something to disrupt this thing. And they sent a lawyer to say this. They sent him, and he asked this question, starting there in verse 36, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And from the Amplified Version, it goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. That is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. Think about that. How many can say that? Don't raise your hands. It's okay. I can't. Entirely. I think maybe sometimes I can, if I'm honest, and I am. Can I say I'm unselfishly seeking the best and higher good for others in every way and all? I don't know, but I, but I, but I try to, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm working at it, and I'm better at it than I was last week and last year, and I'll be better at it next week and next year. That's the way it works, I believe. So... But, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says. And then he goes on to close it out and say this. This really, you know, <laughs> had to really kill these guys in a real tizzy. The whole law and writings of the prophets depend on these two commandments. All the stuff these guys studied and staked their whole life and reputation on. So in verse 36, he's asking, this scribe is asking, Teacher, Which is the greatest commandment of the law? Now, the scribes had identified 613, I don't know if you knew this, there's 613 commandments. And and they had identified those into 365 negatives and 248 positives. The do's and the don'ts. Actually, there were more don'ts than there was do's. They had divided them and and sort of categorized them into what they thought were more important and then some that were less important. And, And Jesus in verse 37 reveals that the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with everything you have. That's what he's saying. With your whole being, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. Now, you know, that's cool to me. Because I think of God as this, uh, as I'm sure most of all of us do. This awesome, unbelievable, all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere, creator of the universe, just like we sang a minute ago. Awesome and power forever. Awesome and great is just His name. is who we serve. Thank the Lord. He's an all-powerful, awesome God. Thank God for that. But guess what? This God that we serve and that I'm talking about, He wants me and He wants you to love Him. It's not just that He loves us, and He does with radical, unbelievable, absolute, awesome love, unconditional, freely given. But He wants us to love Him. You see, I think about people like that are important, I don't know, leaders, presidents, world leaders, whoever the people are that we think and that our society has put up as important. I think, what do they care what I think? They probably don't care what I think very much, if at all. But God, Supreme God Almighty, He cares enough about me as an individual You, as an individual, that He wants us to love Him. Our love is important to God. I don't know what it is about that, but that just impressed on me, and it just was so, such a cool idea that this God is that concerned, that He wants a loving relationship with me. So it is in the loving that He's instructing us, I believe teaching us here the Jesus thing, the words that he's saying, it's in our our loving, the love that we have for our God and for our for our for our fellow man. It's in that love that we become more like him. You see that? We become more like him because that's what he is. God is God is love. At his core, at his being, is his nature, is his character, God, of his love. And the more that we can learn to love him and others, the more we become like him. And isn't that the idea? That's what we want to do. We want to become more like him. So, now, uh, notice also what Jesus says here is that he says that, uh, the, that, that, that when he's asking us this to to love the Lord your God, so you see that tells me, and I believe it's saying that that's for people that's for people who have accepted God, who have accepted Christ, right? That's not for unbelievers. How could it possibly be? You can't go to an unbeliever and say, "Well, you should love the Lord, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul." You can't say that to them because they don't love Him with any of that. See, they love what other gods they may have in their life, or idols. It might be people. It could be that they idolize entertainment figures, musicians, or or movie actors, or reality TV stars. It could be that their god is, is, is money, or cars, or the kind of house they live in, or the clothes they wear. Right? I mean, these are things that people have as more important to them, and that's what they love. That's what their emphasis is on. And I just think that for believers, this is where Jesus is saying that to us, we are the ones that are responsible for this. We're the ones that are responsible for this. It's not to mean that we, but but that's the importance of what I'm going to talk about next week, But, but for us as believers, we have to grasp this and we have to understand this is not optional. This is not something he's suggesting we do. He is saying it is a commandment and it is the first and the greatest, the most important, okay? So, those that have entered into a relationship with him, or we believe in Jesus, we've accepted him, we believe the death, burial, and resurrection, we have we have decided that. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, okay? So, These areas, I want to talk about them just very quickly. First one is your heart. The heart is the core of our existence, our our physical body. There are five vital organs, okay, so that's why I guess they call them vital. (laughs) You gotta have all of them, right? But the heart is the is the engine? It's the it's what pumps literally life to everywhere else in your body through the through blood and oxygen contained in the blood. It's pumping it into my brain. It's pumping it into my to the tissue to the muscles in my body. It is giving me life. That heart. Have you ever heard of a sport? I'll give you a sports uh, metaphor. He they, they've got a guy who's the, maybe the best player on the team, and he's the one that leads the team. Michael. Jordan, let's use him. He went to the University of North Carolina, so he's got to be good, right? Everybody knows who's Mike is, right? So, Michael, he would be considered the heartbeat of the team. That's a term you hear quite often. Doesn't matter what sport it is. They're the heartbeat of the team. Why do they say that? Because the heart and the heartbeat is such a vital core part of what it is that we do. So, now, it's not only that it's the hub of our physical ex- existence, it's also where, uh, Things of, uh, as far as the the, the will of God, affections, and other things are sort of reside in our heart, okay? So our hearts need to be one with Him. And by one with Him, I mean we, we need to be in constant movement towards loving God with all of our heart. There shouldn't be anything rivaling for a place of significance in our heart besides our love for God. Amen. You get that? understand that? Okay. Second area, we are to love God is with all of our soul. Okay? The word soul in, uh, in, in in the New Testament is used quite often. And there's a, uh, a Greek, in the Greek lexicon, there are words, one definition, there's several things, and I won't get into all that, but it's, one of the definitions is, it really stood out to me, it says, vital breath, or breath of life, the meaning. It's literally saying that the soul is, is the essence of, of, of our life. And you can think about that like our physical body. I was talking about when the heartbeat stops. Our physical body one day, Pastor said it earlier, that's going away. That's the dust. But our soul is what gives us the immortal nature that God has, has given us to be able to live with him in eternity forever. Forever. That's, that, that's what our soul is. It's the breath of life. It's the essence of what gives us life. So we are to love God with all of our power to live, not only now, but always. In our soul, we're to love the Lord God with all of our soul. And the last thing is to love the Lord God with our mind. Now, a mind is where all of the, like the heart is sort of the the, the, the physical uh, engine that drives us. The mind is our ability. That's where all of the intellectual things that we do reside, correct? Everything in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. We are commanded by Jesus to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. So notice the threefold use of that word all. He's saying that with intention. You know Jesus when he spoke wasn't just speaking to hear himself talk, right? Everything he said had a purpose and an intentionality to it. And that's what he was saying. He goes, he wants us, basically, I'm going to give you my version of it. He's saying, look, I want everything you are to love me. I want everything you are to love me, to love God, to love the Lord your God. And so I saw this, and I don't know who said it, but I'm going to put this up. It says, God's wholehearted love for us. I tried to find who did say it. I found it in several places, so I don't know who to give credit to this for. I'm just telling you, I didn't think this. God's wholehearted love for us should not be answered in a half-hearted manner. Now, how many here believe that God's love for us is complete? How many believe that his love for us is all in? How many believe that he proved that in many, many ways, but he proved it for sure, no doubt about it, when he gave his son to die on the cross to save us from our sin. That At that point in time, at that moment, if nothing else, and there was plenty of other things, at that moment, he proved it to us. That his love for us is all in. It's 100%. It's a wholehearted love for us, for me, for you, Individually. You sitting there today, he loved you. And if there was nobody else around, he would have done it just for you. Just for you. It's that personal. And let's don't let his wholehearted love for us not be answered with anything other than a wholehearted love for him. Amen? That's what I'm talking about now. This is what we really got to do. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying this is what Jesus is asking us to do. As believers, we can't go and say, "All oh, you've done for us and I'm going to give you half of what I got. That's not going to work. It's not going to be able to let you live in everything and every blessing and under the favor and all of the things and the joy of what he wants to do in your life and show you and revealing truth in your life. in John 15, 13, it says this. There is no greater love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. No greater love. There's no greater love than what God, through sending his Son, did for us. So Now, Jesus clearly stated this. And we're back to this, this, this commandment. Jesus clearly stated the greatness of And the priority of this commandment, when he said in verse 38, he said this. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Now think about that. He wasn't saying that so there could be any mistake about it. The first and the greatest. The first and the greatest. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul tell you this. If you only had one thought that you could have each day in your devotion, in your time with God, and I would hope you'd have time to do more, but if you only had time for one every day, that's it. Right there. Well, why wouldn't it be? It's the first and the greatest of all of the wonderful truths in the Word of God. All of the marvelous things that are in the Scriptures. If you only had one thought you could do for that day, and we'll think about this, think about it like this. Okay. Lord, I got time for one thing. And first of all, I guess you should start apologizing that you're only going to give me. associate, a companion, a family member. That's what they mean. They don't mean by neighbor the person that lives next door to you or lives on the street. I know you probably know that. It means really others. Love others as yourself. So, now look, so the the love that God has for us in the first and greatest commandment, saying that needs to be directed to him. Love God all in. It's also saying, though, it needs to be directed to others. Love others all in. You have to be all in because if you're loving them like you love yourself, that's a lot. <laughs> I know it is for me. Come on now. You guys love yourself, right? Just a little bit maybe. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's okay. We just won't love others the way we love ourselves. And and so, you know, I think the way we love others, in fact, this is why, again, I believe this is strictly for people who know Christ. And this love stems from our love for God. If we don't love Him, how can we really love others? We're not going to do that. We're going to love the job promotion. We're going to love the money. We're going to love the house we live in. We're going to love the car we drive. We're going to love whatever else. We're going to love anything else that pleasures us. But if it stems from our love for God, we're going to love people the way He loves them. And everyone that we encounter, I don't know if you know this or not, everyone that we encounter, no matter who they are, no matter where we meet them, is made in the image of God. Do you know that? Every single person that's a human being is made in the image of God. So everyone we see, it's all it's everyone. It's not a selective thing that we can make choices. We can't do that individually. We can't do it as a church. We cannot have a true and sincere love for God. This is scripture, we'll talk about it in a second. We can't have a true and sincere love for God without loving everyone. Now, how many people have some people on your mental list, or maybe you wrote it down? of people that you've got a problem with. Anybody have that? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand again. Some of you guys would rather me wear a suit and tie. Dressing part is one thing, but I just wanted to make sure I wasn't, like, afterwards, like, yeah, you're the smelling person, too. You're the one that we got to get around. No, it, does it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they look like, what their lifestyle is. I'm not saying we have to agree with it. Please understand the distinction I'm making. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we have to love. circumstances in every way. And here's the next thing i want to say. This one, I want you to think about for a minute. We'll think about it this week, too. We must want God to bless those that we don't like, we disagree with, we have that great on our nerves, that don't dress right, that we don't have, that have offended us. Uh Uh-oh. People that have offended us, that have said something that, oh, man, that made me upset. We have to want God to bless them more than he's blessing us. How about that? Do you want that? I'm not saying for the people like, oh, that's my son, and oh, I just love them so much, and I want God to bless them more than me. Okay? That's easy. But what about the others? We need to be in a place where we want sincerely in our heart, and in, in our spiritual heart, not, our, not our, the, the heart of flesh, in our spiritual mind. That we're looking at that like, I want God to bless them more than he's even blessing me. God, thank you for blessing me. Continue to bless me. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want you to bless me. But I want you to bless this person that I don't like. That's what it is, folks. We got to do it. <laughs> we got to do it. Whether we want to or not, we want him to bless them more than he's blessing us. If we want God's perfect will in our lives, we've got to pray and believe and sincerely mean that we want that in the lives of others. That's what we want. And it's not some, it's all. Anyone God places in our path, that could be a person waiting in line at the DMV. It could be a person that we meet in a parking lot. It could be somebody who, and this is a big one for me, that somebody that you go up and as you're walking, this happened to me, by the way, you're walking up to your car and as you're walking it out, walking up to your car, somebody's getting in their car and they open their door into your door. Does anybody, that is a pet, I will park 300 feet away, ask her to go to walk all the way across the parking lot so nobody will ding my door. I mean, I know it's really a bit silly, but I mean, Honestly, when that happens, I got to love those people. I can't go and react in anger. Why am I? I mean, as much as that's what I would naturally do, I got to love those people. It doesn't matter. So, this is like the Good Samaritan story. Good Samaritan. We, it's in the book of Luke, right in this time when Jesus is talking about these commandments. Now, it's not actually in Matthew and Mark. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have the Synoptic Gospels. They all have the same account of Jesus' great commandments. Okay, All of that's recorded there. But the, great, the, the story of the Good Samaritan is in Luke. And so we know the story very quickly. Man is robbed. Man is beaten up. Man is hurt very badly, laying on the side of the road, maybe left for dead. Right? Here comes a priest. Jesus is telling this parable to the same guy that asked him the question, by the way, what is you know the greatest commandment? So here's a priest, he's walking up, a priest. He sees him, and he goes to the other side of the road. <laughs> he doesn't just walk by him. He goes to the other side of the road and walks by. Next comes a Levite. Now, a Levite's supposed to be the upper echelon, the elite, you know, the upper crust. You know, these guys. Okay, so here comes a Levite. He's walking, sees him, walks to the other walks right on by passes him right on by. Then here comes the Samaritan. Now, Samaritans and Jews, to put it nicely, didn't get along with each other. In fact, there was a big feud to hated each other. Let's just say it. I mean, they, that, was a, they, that was a... So so here's a Samaritan that's coming by. He sees the man. Not only does he help him, he puts oil on his wounds. He binds up his wounds. He puts him on his animal, takes him into tent, puts him in a place where he can get a recover. He, he pays the man two denarii. Okay, two denarii in those days is like two days' wages. It was like a full day of labor, like a labor wage. So if you look at that and figure, well, here's how much I make every week. Five days I work, divide it by five, give two of those away. That's what the man did. So he didn't just do it with his with his effort and his and his uh, and, and and help, physical help. He did it with his pocketbook. He helped somebody, and then he said to the man, "In fact, if you need any more after this, if it costs more than this, I'll pay you when I return." That's what the Samaritan did. So the when the, the thing about this the reason I wanted to talk about this just for a minute is that then Jesus asked the scribe, he says to him, which of these three do you think was loving his neighbor? And again, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but and he said, Well, the one, the one who showed mercy, the Samaritan. That's what that's what the man said back to you. Can you see why this teaching might have been astonishing to people that were there when Jesus was saying all these things? He says, so he says. Well, it was the it was the man, uh, you know, who, who helped him. He's the one. But Jesus said this, and the thing about Jesus is, is that everything he spoke was so powerful, and everything he spoke was so meaningful and impactful. But the greatest things he said sometimes were the simplest things. He said, "Yeah, that, I mean, I'm saying this." The guy said, well, was the guy who showed you mercy?" And he said, "You go and do likewise. You go and do likewise." So for us, what should we do? We should go and do likewise. We should not go to the other side of the street. We should help people. And that's by not not just helping them when they've been beaten up or robbed, but helping them by loving them. Loving the unlovable. Loving the unlovable. That's what Jesus did. That's what we need to do. That's what I believe he's calling us to do. So, look, the great commandments fit hand in glove. Loving God, loving others. It all works together. It all comes down to that simple point right there. The verses describe it in more detail. Loving God, loving others. And in the first epistle of John, uh, the first epistle that John wrote, I want to just say this at the end. He strongly states this. Strongly, strongly states this. 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer. And by hate, that doesn't mean, you know, don't think that, well, well, I I don't like them. I don't hate them. I just don't like them. That's not what this is saying. It means anybody you don't love. (laughs) Okay? I mean, this is just how I believe it to be. I love God. Oh, I love God. Yes, I love God. But, man, I cannot stay. I can't be around them. Oh, if they're going, I'm not going to that meeting. Oh, if they're going to be at the women's meeting, I'm not going to be there. Oh, if they're coming to church, I'm going to go to another church. Or whatever it is, I've been offended by that person. So I'm not. No, if you say you love God but hate a fellow believer, that person is a liar. Now, that's a harsh term. How many have ever said that word and said, well, you don't know if he's a liar. Maybe he just didn't tell the truth. Liar is a harsh term. When you say somebody's a liar, that carries some weight behind it. But guess what? In every translation, that's the word that's used. King James, right on through to, to the Amplified Version, the word liar. So it says, if you hate a fellow believer but say you love God, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God, who we cannot see. How is it possible? I think what John's saying there is that it isn't possible. You can't love God truly, completely, and entirely unless you love everyone else, even the unlovable. That's the message and that's the commandment. So, Jesus has made this very clear. I hope I've illuminated it and put some focus and a spotlight on it today for you. The two great commandments, something we've probably read and heard before, but as a church as a, as, and as individuals, but as a church if we are going to move in everything that he wants us to do to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ we have to do these two things. And I want to go back to what we said at the beginning. We can't love God and hate someone else because then we're liars. We can't say that we're going to love somebody, or not love somebody we can see who's standing right here in front of us, and then say we love a God that we can't see. We can't do that. So can we go back to that first slide? This. Read this with me, if you will. If we truly live by the great commandments and vigorously pursue the great commission, the result will be what? A great, a great, a great church. And not because, oh, our attendance went up and look at that and we've got all these programs. that I, No, it's going to be a great church because there are going to be people coming into this fellowship, learning about the Lord coming to know the Lord, being discipled into into His service, being brought into the full knowledge of everything that He wants to do in their life, and then the next thing you know, they're going to be out doing something out in reaching people for Christ. Isn't that what we want to be as a church? We want to bring people not only in the door, but send them out the door. But when we send them out, we want to send them out equipped and ready to do something. I told somebody the other day, that's my last thing, I told somebody the other day, how many people know who Mark Buntain is? If you don't, go look him up on Google. If you don't know who Mark Buntain is, you need to go find out. You know who Mark Buntain is. You guys know who Mark Buntain is. Okay, I'm not going to go into who he is, but what I just, I happen to use him. I don't know why his name came up, but I just said to somebody, and I've said it three or four times since then, so maybe I've even said it to some of you, but I just believe at some point, who knows? We can't take anyone for granted. We have to love everybody. We have to bring them into discipleship uh, to where they know all of the things that we've learned, and we need to continue to grow and learn and mature in our spiritual lives, and then we get them to the point where they're ready to go do something, and God puts a call on them, and who knows, the next Mark Buntane may be sitting in here right now. He might be in your Ruth group. Mark Buntane has done a, it is just unbelievable. If you go look it up, you'll see. What I'm saying is if it's Mark Buntain or if it's a a, a missionary, I'm not saying that he's better than or just a missionary serving 50 people in a village in Peru, all of it's important because every single one of them is important to Jesus. He died for all of them, not some of them. That's why he says us love all of them, not some of them. Because I died for all of them. So why in the world are we going to love only some of them? So what I say to you today is this. Ask yourself, can I love greater? Can I love deeper? Can I be more sincere in my love for God? And can I be more sincere in my love for others? Because if I do that, I am going to grow spiritually. And as a result of that, by truly living that and by by vigorously pursuing that great commission... This church has already done great things for God. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that, 100%. Tremendous things. God's blessing us and doing wonderful things. But we want to do more, don't we? We don't want to sit in the pew and soak in everything and let everything just be ministering to us. We want to get out and reach new people for Him. That's what we want to do. That's what we should want to do because it's commanded That's what we'll talk about next week. I love each and every one of you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I look at you and I look at people and I say, you know, this is an honor and a privilege to stand up here. This is not a right. This is something that you afford me, that your time, your valuable time to listen to what I've said for the last 40 minutes. But I hope that it's something that's meaningful. I hope that it's something that you're going to look at and say, you know what? I'm challenged by that. I want to live my life where I'm loving more others and I'm loving God deeper. And if we do that, church and individuals, it's not just about the church I'm speaking of, individually you are going to see blessings and favor and things that God will do that you didn't even think that he was going to do in your life. There will be those things that happen, I promise you, if you do those things. Because it's the first and the greatest and a close second. <laughs> Those commandments, the first and the greatest and a close second. Those things that we've talked about today. So stand with me, please, if you would. So I'm just going to ask if somebody here could come and maybe just play for a moment.